Welcome in to another new podcast from the Association for Materials Protection and Performance. My name is Ben Dubose, and I'm a staff writer with the AMP Publications team. On today's show, I'm again joined by Adam Christopher, Manager of Government Relations at AMP. Adam, thanks for coming back. How are you? Uh, glad to be back. Uh, glad to be invited back and ve looking very much forward to our special guest today. So thanks for having me, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as that guest, as you may recall, when we had Adam on recently, we discussed the passing of the new U.S. infrastructure law and what that may mean for AMP members. On today's episode, we're going to be continuing that discussion, but from a bit more legislative and procedural perspective. To do that, we're joined by Congresswoman Lizzie Fletcher, a Democrat who represents the 7th District of Texas. That also happens to be the district where the longtime NACE International Headquarters were located. And now, of course, it's our largest office with the newly combined organization known as AMP. Congresswoman Fletcher is quite well versed on the U.S. infrastructure bill and was happy to vote in support of it earlier this year. She's also a part of the Corrosion Prevention Caucus, so she's well informed on many of the issues that matter most to this audience. Without any further delay, Congresswoman Fletcher, thank you for joining us. How are you? Oh, thanks so much, Ben, for having me. I'm great. Uh, I'm glad to be here with you and Adam to talk about uh, the infrastructure bill and, and all the good work um, that we're doing up here in Washington. Excited to be with you. Yeah, and I think a good place to start, if you could, for any of our listeners that aren't familiar with you, because again, we do have the office in District 7, but our membership extends well beyond that around the United States and around the world. So for anyone who isn't familiar with you, just tell us a little bit of your story, if you will, what led you to Congress and what your points of emphasis are uh, as far as your work on the Hill. We mentioned the Corrosion Prevention Caucus, for example. Sure, yeah, I'm glad to. I. Um... I am in my second term representing Texas's 7th Congressional District located in Houston. Uh, before I was representing Houstonians in Congress, I was representing them uh, in the courtroom as a lawyer, um, and I represented a lot of folks across um, our community in Houston um, and became familiar with a lot of the issues that, um, that you all focus on in your work. Um, and since I got to the Hill, um, I have continued to prioritize the things that matter most in my district. So I have a particular focus on um, energy issues, as you might imagine, and I serve on the Energy and Commerce Committee. So working on energy and working on healthcare, which is under our committee's jurisdiction, hugely important. In my first term, I served on the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. So that's part of the reason um, I've also been working so intimately on these infrastructure issues. And as you mentioned, I, I'm a member of the Corrosion Caucus, um, among other things, and also serve on the House Science, Space, and Technology Committee. So uh, a real focus on the things that matter to the people who live and work in my district. Yeah, and on the subject of TX7, what is it that makes that district so unique? I think a lot of people know that District 7 is the energy corridor, but just talk if you could about the types of industries and job types. Certainly uh, the corrosion industry is one of those, but just in general, what's going on in the Texas 7, which is uh, the western side of Houston, and how does that play into the areas that uh, you choose to focus on? Sure. Well, I would say it's not only unique, but it is the best congressional district in the United States. Um, and what really makes it uh, such a special place to, to represent and to be is the people who live and work there. Uh, I feel very lucky to represent folks who are very engaged on all of these issues. And uh, as you mentioned, sort of geographically, the energy corridor is part of the district. Um, and there are a lot of really engaged and active um, residents 
who are certainly weighing in on the national conversation we're having right now about our energy future and the energy transition, but bring to that discussion a very practical on the ground understanding of how we you know, explore for, transport, refine, and use uh, different energy products. And um, that's absolutely vital to the, the conversations that are going on up here in Washington. Um, and so that is a, a big part of why I asked to serve on the Energy and Commerce Committee. Uh, the other thing that we do for folks who live in the district, they'll know, um, is healthcare. And that's, that's a huge part um, of the work that we're doing here as well, especially over the last 20 months as we've been going through this pandemic. Right. And so I just feel incredibly lucky to recognize represent uh, this district where so many people have um, not only an interest, but real policy ideas and solutions that they bring to me as their advocate here in Washington. And Congresswoman, you've been extremely helpful and always had an open door policy for NACE and, and now AMP, and we're obviously a major employer in your district. And so can you tell us a little bit about your experience of working with us since joining in Congress? I think you might have been the only member of Congress I've met that knew NACE standards uh, before I came into the room. <laughs> Um, sure, Adam, I'm glad to do that. And it really has been um, a great partnership uh, with NACE and now AMP um, working in the time that I've been here in Congress. But you're right, I had some uh, familiarity from my work before uh, representing folks in, in different uh, aspects of the energy sector uh, and learning more about their businesses, which has become a really useful and important experience to have up here in Washington. Um, but we've partnered together on a lot of things and I feel very, uh, very lucky to have such an active partnership here. We worked together in the last Congress when I was on the, the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee on bridge and pipeline safety. Um, and we worked uh, importantly to secure an amendment in the House Infrastructure Bill, the Invest in America Act, uh, that strengthened and maintained bridge safety and created federal corrosion planning inspection protocols, which I don't have to tell y'all is incredibly important. Um, so that was that was really important. The other big thing that we were working on, or another big thing we were working on in um, in the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee last Congress was the FEMSA reauthorization. And so uh, there I also had an amendment in our reauthorization bill to prioritize corrosion inspection for pipelines. Um, and again, I, I was so lucky to uh, be able to work with you and folks across the district um, to really bring sort of the expertise and the knowledge of what we should be thinking about, should be talking about how we could come up with some really workable policy solutions. And I continue to uh, call on you and use that uh, information as I now serve on the Energy and Commerce Committee um, because you know we're we're concerned about these issues. I know we're going to talk about the infrastructure bill today, um, but certainly um, the issues that you're focused on are issues of, of huge importance to people across the country um, in all kinds of ways. And so I've been really glad to partner with you on a number of issues. Those being a couple that stand out. We definitely uh, appreciate and value that relationship, and and look forward to working on uh, future issues as well. And you and your staff have have just been great in that area. So. You mentioned infrastructure, so kind of walk us through how the infrastructure bill came to be. Um, why was it able to get across the finish line in this Congress when, when maybe it wasn't in the past for, for several years? Well, I have a short answer and a long answer to that question, um, but the short answer is leadership. Um, you know, President Biden made it a priority of his administration to work across the aisle, to work with Congress, and to deliver results for working families. And that's what we've seen. And that is what it takes to get a huge piece of legislation like this across the finish line. Um, you know, Congress and the president 
work together to pass this historic really once in a generation uh, bill to update our infrastructure and to position our people, our economy, our country to compete and to win in the 21st century. Um, and that that's the kind of thing that happens only when you have leadership and when you have people coming together. Um, and I think, you know, throughout my my time in Congress, people have been talking about infrastructure. You know, it's a joke. It's infrastructure week every week for the last few years. Um, but here we we saw the difference when you have um, leadership that's committed to making something happen and has the the tools to to bring people together um, and and get it done. And that's what we saw with this bill. What are some of the benefits that you see from the bill for the people in District 7, which of course includes uh, AMP's Houston office? Well, sure, there, there are a ton of benefits. Um, and I think, you know, part of uh, what we've been talking about in Congress going into it is that this is really an investment uh, in our future, in the future of our country by uh, investing in our infrastructure, getting our economy moving again after this incredibly difficult 20 months or so of this pandemic. Um, and so it really is an important time and opportunity to invest and also to rethink how we do things. Um, and to take the, the knowledge that we have about how we can do things better. Um, in Houston, we certainly know the positive impact that rebuilding and rethinking and reinforcing our existing infrastructure in a more resilient way can have um, in our community. And I think that's what we're seeing as a conversation about how to do that across the country in all kinds of areas. Um, you know, for us, it's been hugely important to focus on um, flood mitigation and prevention, um, to focus on water conveyance issues, um, I probably don't need to explain that to those who live in the district for those outside. Uh, those are challenges that are perennial for us. And so um, what we're going to see directly from the in, uh, Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act is going to be the, the things you're seeing across the country, repairing roads and bridges, obviously very important, um, but preparing for flooding and extreme weather events. Um, and strengthening our electric grid, another hugely important issue for Texans. Uh, one thing I uh, am glad to mention that I had a bill that is uh, was included as part of the Infrastructure Investment Jobs Act, and that's a bill called the Regrow Act to plug orphan wells uh, across the country. A lot of those are located in Texas. Um, but, you know, sort of more broadly, I think in, in big strokes, the things where we're going to see immediate, uh, hopefully, investment and um, and a lot of opportunity is with the um, funding the backlog of Army Corps of Engineers projects, um, especially for us when we look at uh, waterway infrastructure priorities and really addressing this backlog of, of authorized but uh, not funded projects that will be um, important. And then in addition, you know, the Port of Houston is, is huge for our region is in terms of an economic driver and this um, this bill has about 17 billion dollars for port infrastructure across the country. So that will help reduce congestion, uh, reduce emissions near ports. That's really important. Uh, flood mitigation. And then, as I mentioned, um, uh, there'll also be Department of Energy grant programs. There's about $5 billion in DOE grant programs that I think uh, people in, in Houston are, are well positioned to participate in, take advantage of, and really continue our role as the, the leaders uh, in energy, not just in the country, but for the globe. Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. There's a lot and it's a very comprehensive bill and and there's a lot to certainly be proud of and look forward to and kind of building uh, infrastructure back for our audience the the corrosion engineers out there the the contractors that might be going for some of this federal funding what would you see as some of the highlights of the bill that pertain most to to those members yeah uh, well certainly there are a lot of areas in in and the um 
you know, the picture that we have of what we're about to do is invest in our roads and bridges. So obviously um, thinking about the funding to repair roads and bridges and highways um, with, I think it's more nearly $37 billion in grants and formula funding for the repair and replacement of deficient and outdated bridges. That's obviously going to be um, an area of interest. And um, and I think you know it, it's not all of the backlog. I think there's a 125 billion dollar bridge repair backlog, um, but this will be obviously an important area for for corrosion engineers. Um, and then the other thing um, that certainly is important to us in uh, in Houston, but I know uh, from my own experience before coming to Congress, um, is talking about pipeline integrity and pipeline safety. And it's um, it's really important. Obviously, this is an area where we've worked together in the past. And one of the other um, things in the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act is a billion dollars in funding for a natural gas distribution infrastructure safety modernization grant program that'll be administered by FEMSA. Um, and so there will be about $200 million a year to be used to repair and rehabilitate and replace uh, pipelines. And certainly this is an area where we know um, corrosion engineers um, are, are absolutely essential uh, in maintaining the integrity of pipelines and making sure that, um, that we're doing everything we can to protect um, the environment uh, and to make sure that those pipelines are not leaking. So, um, so that'll be another area that I think will be of particular interest to to your members. So, speaking broadly, and this goes beyond the corrosion industry, beyond District Seven in Texas. When you break down the polling on the infrastructure bill, it generally shows that a lot of people like the concepts of the bill when you break them down individually. But there can be some hesitancy when it comes to the overall package, and a lot of that comes down to the funding. Mm -hmm. What do you say to people who are, I suppose, on the fence in that they see some potential benefits from the bill, but they're not really sure what they think of the financial aspects, or perhaps they have preconceived notions to be skeptical based on the partisan divide that's present in our political discourse today. Just what do you say to people that are on board with some of the fundamentals of what you're laying out, but they're uncertain about the broader bill for other reasons? Well, I guess I would say a couple of things um, in response to that. and. Um, and one of them, maybe the starting point, goes back to my starting point in Congress. The very first committee hearing I ever attended was on the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, and the title of the hearing was The Cost of Doing Nothing. Um, and the fact is there are costs associated with these various programs, but there are also costs to us to doing nothing. And that's what I've been hearing a lot as a, as a member of Congress since I've been here uh, about the challenges that we face. Certainly everyone in the country is paying attention to the backlog at our ports right now. Uh, we understand the, the impacts uh, in our daily lives of, of congestion and traffic, um, but we also understand the slowdown of the economy if we can't move our, our goods from one place to another. So there are costs and there are calculable costs to doing nothing. Um, there are certain, you know, there's a, a bridge that we heard about in that very first hearing that's effectively, you know, not operable and, and is a huge, um, it's not just an inconvenience, it's a huge problem for the community uh, where it's located. And um, and so, you know, that's the, that's the first step is there's a cost to doing nothing. Uh, and so that's an important, I think, part of the framework in thinking about this. 
The other thing is that um, all of the research shows that infrastructure is one of the most sound investments we can make for our communities. And the return on investment has been consistent. There's an estimate um, from the Congressional Budget Office that shows that for every dollar spent on infrastructure, it brings an economic benefit of more than $2. Uh, another study shows that it's $3 for every dollar spent. So we know that we will see returns by making these investments. And it will help our communities in ways that we all experience daily, right? Repairing our roads. I mean, if you're in Houston, you know, we want to see those roads repaired. We want to see um, access to, to improvements in our highway uh, infrastructure as well. Securing the grid, again, for Texans, but for people all across the country, this is hugely important. Um, for us in Houston, increasing um, our resilience when it comes to natural disasters and, and water um, conveyance, hugely important. So I think that once these projects are, are up and running, we're going to see some real tangible benefits as well as the sort of known economic benefits that we're going to get from this legislation. As a follow-up to that, you mentioned that the projects actually getting going may start to shape the opinion that's moving forward. As far as our audience, as far as the corrosion engineers, the contractors that Adam mentioned, what's the process like for them as far as the work actually getting awarded and potentially you know landing some of this because clearly that can shape perception i think um how can a person or a company that wants to work on one of these projects that ends up resulting from this bill uh best position themselves to to take advantage and be in position to i, I suppose at least be in the discussion for landing that work yeah, that's a great question. And um, as Adam said earlier, there are a lot of different parts of the bill. There are a lot of different um, ways to, to get involved in, in particular um, areas. But generally, a lot of that um, awarding of the work will be up to agencies at the state and local level to determine the contracting. State departments of transportation and transit agencies will receive formula funds directly. Uh, smaller entities like cities and towns can pursue funding through those agencies. There are also, as I mentioned, um, some competitive grants uh, for, for smaller entities, um, but also there'll be some competitive grants for, for private industry. And so um, that's one of the things we've talked about as well um, in connection with this is that, um, you know, a lot of the infrastructure that we see and probably a lot of the infrastructure uh, when it comes to, to corrosion in particular, there's a lot uh, that's, that's done uh, with private dollars. Um, and so, you know, hopefully what we'll see is this investment um, at the federal level also um, showing up in other kinds of investments uh, that are being made simultaneously. And so I think there will be a lot of opportunities uh, to get involved. And some of that is still uh, being determined. Uh, some of those exact, mm -hmm. some of them are, are longstanding formulas. Some are, will be new programs. And so, um, you know, staying in touch, paying attention, listening uh, to guidance for AMP moving forward about uh, what the opportunities are, I think will be really important for, for folks who are uh, looking to be a, a part of uh, this really transformative infrastructure investment. So that was a really great answer. And I wanted to kind of follow up there is how can associations like AMP and AMP members kind of play a, a role in the implementation process, which I guess will take you know many months and maybe years to go in the future? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, making sure that um, your your members know uh, all the opportunities that are available uh, is certainly a, an important part of this. But obviously, AMP pays a 
crucial role in training and certifying corrosion engineers and coding inspectors and um, and other highly skilled folks in the corrosion industry. And so, you know, it's work to create these industry-wide standards will be really valuable as construction and repair projects break ground in our community. Um, and your expertise is going to be needed as we work to implement this legislation and, and really position uh, our country to compete in the 21st century. This has been a really fantastic insight. Uh, Congresswoman Fletcher, for anyone listening that has further questions or wants to get in touch with your office, what's the best way that they can do that? Oh, thanks, Ben, for asking. Um, yes, we are always glad to hear from our constituents. And like I said, um, that's where we get some of our best ideas. And uh, and so we appreciate uh, your partnership. And I'm always glad to, to talk to folks who want to reach out to my office. Um, my website is probably the easiest way, mm -hmm. um, and that's Fletcher.house.gov. Um, but people are always welcome to call. Uh, and our number in Houston is 713-353-8680 or in Washington, 202 um, you can send an email over the website as well. Um, but I always look forward to hearing from people and uh, getting a chance to connect. And I've enjoyed the chance to connect with both of you this afternoon and, uh, and get caught up on this really exciting uh, Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act and uh, all of the, the good things ahead that are going to come from this collaborative and really transformative piece of legislation that, as you mentioned, Adam, um, you know, we finally got over the finish line and it is it is now infrastructure week. There we go. That's a perfect way to end it. Folks, for Congresswoman Lizzie Fletcher and Adam Christopher, I'm Ben DuBose. Thanks as always for listening. If you want more information on our end, of course, the association website is ampp.org. Again, for Congresswoman Fletcher and Adam, I'm Ben. Thanks for listening and please come back soon for another new AMP podcast.